Hey, this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of Effie Church, and this is our podcast. All right, well, holy ground number two. I've been looking forward to this series for a while. I've had it planned for a while, and I'm super excited to preach it to you all this morning. You know, last week we kicked off this series with the ingredients to a very important encounter with God. Now, I believe all encounters with God are are absolutely important, but just in terms of history and the sheer amount of people that this one affected, it's super important. We looked at, we really dove into this conversation between Moses and God at the burning bush, right? This turning point in history, in, in a culture of people, hundreds, millions, scholars actually believe, of people. And Moses was alone. He he was alone with God. He was amazed and he was drawn in. If you missed last week, you'll have to go back and check it out. And we also talked about uh, coming back together as a church and how exciting that weekend is, how many people will be back together again. And we, we talked about how excited most of us are to get back together, but that we need to come back together in a new normal. I'm not talking about social distancing normal. I'm talking about the new normal of our hearts, right? That this isn't just falling back into old patterns and uh, the old normal, the going through the motions normal, right? That this is a new normal. We get to be more vibrant, passionate, and selfless than we were before. Let's use this last week that we have apart, these next six days, to dig into the word, and to our relationship with Jesus like never before. And let's get our hearts ready. Let's get them ready, expectant for what God has for us. But let's also be ready in different ways, for different. Let's be ready for the different in other ways as well. Just because you can't wait to get back doesn't necessarily mean everyone is the same. Right behind the scenes here at Freedom Valley, we've made a lot of changes to adapt to leading you all online these past few weeks. And we have people that join us every week from other states. We have a family from from New York, from New Jersey, from Georgia that join us online every week. And we need to be able to move forward together, not just here in the room, but to maintain the momentum we've gained online as well. We need your help to do that. The media team especially, they've been working so hard for the past 14 weeks to connect to you and to make upgrades and to make sure that we're leading you well. They need help. We need more people that are are good with detail, that maybe are good with technology, that can work behind the scenes, right? We want to put more content out there than ever because That's where people are. People are online right now. You may want to debate whether or not that's right, but it's true. We are a society that connects online. And and that brings me to the text today. Because we are in a wilderness season, I believe. As a a culture, as a nation, as a a church, the world feels a little topsy-turvy right now, a little upside down. It feels wrong on so many levels, and I think we're all just yearning to get back to some sort of normal, but also kind of wondering whether we will, right? It's not just on the virus front, but on the racial issues and justice and police reform and, and politics, and honestly, what's the solution, Right? What's going to change? Who is correct and who is wrong? And 
the issues, right? The issues, sometimes they get so heavy. I feel like they're weighing you down. We're at a turning point of some sort, of some sort. No one but God knows what the end result of all this is going to be. Some of you have lived through turning points like this in history before, right? Here's the thing. Moses was called to a turning point. This is the story that we are diving into throughout this series, the turning point in his life. God was literally picking him up out of the situation he had created for himself, resetting him, putting him on a new course and direction. He he was pointing him in a new direction. And there's a few things that we can pick out from this conversation that we'd do well to remember in our own cultural turning point. So we're going to read this together today. Exodus 3, starting at verse 5, because that's that's the verse we left off last week. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And when Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go, for I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? And God answered, I will be with you. I will be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. We're going to stop there today in the middle of this very important and sort of long conversation. You may want to read back through this conversation if you haven't for a while, because it does go on. God and Moses go back and forth. It is a long conversation filled with amazing nuggets from God that we need to remember in our own cultural turning point, turning point in our lives. And number one, first thing God points out in this conversation is that Moses needs to remember who he is. Remember who God is. Verse six says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And when Moses heard this, it was such a a startling revelation. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. I said God was trying to say something here, right? This wasn't just, we hear this throughout the Bible, right? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, and we sort of overlook it. Moses didn't overlook it though here, and it caused me to take a second look. Why would he, after hearing those words, be afraid 
right? I know God as my father, a good God, a good God that loves to bless me. I mean, this is how I relate to him. Moses hid his face. He was angry. He was afraid, not angry. He was afraid, right? So up until this point, it's sort of an easy detail to overlook, but up until this point in the Bible, God hadn't given a name for himself, this is the first time in this later in this conversation, this is the first time God gives himself a name. This is his name. He is the God of Abraham. Right? The God who, who gave Abraham and Sarah a baby way past when it was humanly possible. Right? That's the story Moses would have grown up hearing. This is the, this is the God of miracles. The God you've heard stories about. Remember, Moses grew up in Pharaoh's household. He was an Egyptian, not by birth, but the way he was raised. He was raised like an Egyptian, but being an Israelite. And so he would have grown up knowing all about the Egyptian gods and how they related to their people, right? And there's a lot of them, a whole lot of them. I lost track counting when I was researching this. So many Egyptian gods. And it seems like all they do is take and take and take from their people. They barely give anything back, and most of them only do one thing. There's actually literally an Egyptian god of crocodiles. I kid you not, a god of crocodiles, <laughs> right? This is what Moses grew up being used to, and here is the god of Abraham, the god of Isaac, the god of Jacob, speaking to him, reminding him exactly who he is. Not only is he the god that gave Abraham and Sarah a baby long after it was humanly possible. He, he gave Isaac land. He gave him descendants. He gave him blessings beyond imagination. He was also the God who, who had his hand on Jacob's life even before he was born. God who wrestled with Jacob instead of just smiting him. Right? When God said, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he was saying, I'm the God who speaks. I'm the God who listens. I'm the God who can change the laws of nature because I wrote them. That is who you are speaking to, that God. I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. God was reminding him who exactly he was speaking to. And it's important for us to remember today, too. You're not just speaking to the ceiling when you're praying. You are speaking to the God of heaven and earth the God who can change things because he created those things. This is what worship does, by the way. And I don't just mean singing here at the church corporate worship. I mean turning your heart toward heaven. I mean truly focusing on what you know about God, not, not just what he does for you and the ways that he relates to you, but who God is. He is the creator. He is the protector Right? He, he created all the stars in the sky, and he knows them by name. He knows the amount of hairs on every single one of our heads. He is everywhere. He is all powerful. He hears. He sees. He listens. That is the God that we worship. That is what worship does. It reminds us who we're talking to. It opens up our world view, and it gets our eyes off of ourselves. A rest does this too, actually. And I believe that is why God planned a day every single week into our schedule called the Sabbath day. That is not only a day for rest, but a day for reflection on who 
God is. We're not meant to distract ourselves with anything else, but one day every week, focus on who God is. I learned this lesson all over again this week. I was feeling very, as my dad would say, sat upon. (laughs) I was feeling very sat upon, right? Like the world was so heavy on my shoulders. Like everything was just weird and things were changing and you know, the, the media has everybody up and uh, up. I just felt so sad upon, <laughs> as my dad would say. But I got out of town for a couple days, and I got some time alone to talk to God, and I got some perspective, some rest. I stepped away for a minute. That's what God is asking us to do every single week. Get some perspective, Worship me. This is why Moses was drawn away alone, right? To get that perspective. Focus on something else. And we need this in this time, especially. Because our worldview can get so small. And now we've all been locked in our homes and it's even smaller, right? We, We think the world is just my experience here and now. We need to open up our perspective sometimes. We need to remember how big God is. And it doesn't really matter who's on the throne in Egypt or who sits in the White House today because the God of heaven and earth controls the outcome of humanity, not them anyway. And it matters way more who's on the throne of your heart than who's on the throne in the world. Remember who God is. Number two, God not only reminds Moses who he is, he reminds him that he sees. Remember that God sees. He sees the oppression. Verse 7 says, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. He's reminding him he sees it better than Moses does, better than Moses experienced it. God sees the oppression. He hears the cries of distress because of the harsh slave drivers. Yes, he is aware of their suffering. So he's come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians. So not only is he reminding him who he is and how big he is, he's reminding him that he is a God who speaks, who listens, and who sees. God sees the injustice, all of it, all of the time. He sees the oppression. He sees the the cruelty, and he will not let it go on forever. Psalm 9, 9 says, The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. God sees it, and he knows how to work the universe better than you because he created it. I have to remind myself of this sometimes. I don't have to do it all, be it all, fix it all, be the rescuer of everything. God already has that job, and he can do it way better than I can. I don't have to hold on to the pain and the hurt, the things that people did from me, to me from the past. God already sees it. Romans says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to take that burden on myself because God is the author of heaven and earth and it is his job and he can do it better than I can. God's system of justice, it isn't like ours. 
And it doesn't often happen in our timeline. But its markers are obvious throughout his creation. It's so obvious. So obvious that even non-believers can see it. They get pieces of it wrong, but they can see it, right? Some people call it karma, right? God, it's the, it's the what goes around comes around type of thought. And there are threads of it throughout the word. Now, the piece that karma misses is grace. God is also a graceful God. He forgives easily just by asking, but he does not let oppression go on forever. He is quick to forgive a repentant heart, but hardened hearts, he will only suffer for so long. He is a graceful God, right? Pharaoh, as you see later in this story, Pharaoh gets nine chances God, more than that, really, but God sends nine plagues after he's already have, had a chance to let the people go. And did you know, this is just a fun fact about the story that you wouldn't know if you haven't read it probably lately. It's easy to forget, but God wasn't asking immediately for the slaves to be released. He was just asking for them to be able to go in the wilderness for a few days and worship. They just wanted a festival. And Pharaoh said, no. He hardened his heart. So God sent a plague, and Pharaoh said no. And God sent a plague, and Pharaoh said no. 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 Nine times he said no. And then God said, that's enough. And he hardened Pharaoh's heart even further. And he said no one more time. And God sent death. God is a graceful God. He gives us so many chances, but he is also a God of justice. He sees the oppression, and he will not let it go on forever. And number three, we have to remember not only who he is and what he sees, but that that is the God who is with us. He's with us. God specifically reminds him of this separately from the other two reminders. God is with us. You. He said, I will be with you. When Moses said, but who, who am I? You can hear him almost feel the panic in him a little bit. Like, God, uh, you know who I am, right? Like, I had to flee that country because I murdered someone. And they know who I am because I grew up in the Pharaoh's house. And who am I to go back and do this? Right? Are you aware of who I am, God? You feel that panic. And God doesn't remind him of the leadership gifts that he placed in Moses' life, right? He doesn't remind him that he can do this job best because he knows both cultures. He doesn't remind him that he saved his life for this purpose, maybe. God doesn't, doesn't pump Moses up. What God does here is remind him that he will be with him. He says, I will be with you, Moses. I will be with you. And I already reminded you who I am, right? the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God who works miracles. And I will be with you. This is the difference between boasting in you, me, humans, boasting in myself, and boasting in the Lord. There is a difference. The world gets this wrong. It, the world says we should know who we are, right? And be proud of who we are. I don't need to be proud of myself because I have Jesus in me. Everything good about me is Jesus. I will boast in the Lord. This is the difference Paul was trying to explain in the New Testament. right? I will boast in the Lord. I don't have to know everything about everything. I don't have to be 
everything to everyone. I, I don't have to be the rescuer because Jesus, the God of heaven and earth, is with me. And he is with me. Not just walking alongside me, but with me. The Holy Spirit is living in my soul. He can speak for me when I give him that permission. When I ask him to speak for me, he, he gives me wisdom beyond my understanding. He gives me the words to speak he is sometimes even throughout the word, and you hear about stories today, he gives you languages to speak, right? He gives me a prayer language on a daily basis that I can pray when I have no words in the spirit. God is with me. I don't have to be faultless. I don't have to be perfect because I have him it's not fake humility to, to say that I'm nothing without Jesus. It's just true. <laughs> Jesus in me, the Jesus in me is capable of infinitely more than I might ask or think. Back in Moses' time, the Holy Spirit wasn't available to just anyone. But he is today. God is for you, not against you. But he's not only for you. He's also with you, the God of heaven and earth, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who sees the oppression. He is with you. And number four, <laughs> I, I got all of these from God, and then I sat down and I read the rest of the, this verse. And as usual, I had some questions. It says, God, Moses is still protesting, Remember? He's still saying, yeah, yeah, okay, you're the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. You, you see the oppression, right? You are with me, but God, still, do you know who I am? Like Moses is still panicking a little bit in this conversation. And God says, and this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. Listen to this sign, right? So anybody, anybody ever asked God for signs? Like, just give me a sign that this is the right job, right? That, that I'm taking the right path. Just, just give me a sign that this is the right person for me. I just, I need a sign. I need some assurance. I need some proof. Here's the sign that God initially gave Moses. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, are you catching this? When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain, Anybody, anybody else have a small problem with that? Like, if I'm Moses here, I'm, I'm foreseeing a few issues with this plan, right? First of all, I'm not the guy for the job. I can't, can't speak. I'm, I'm not a good speaker. I have some past issues in Egypt. I know a few people in the worst way possible, right? I mean, he's got issues already. And then he's foreseeing, like, I have to tell my family about all of this drama. Maybe he hadn't. Yet maybe he just tried to leave it in the past. I have to, to take Jethro's daughter and, and grandkids away, and we have to journey back to Egypt, and then I have to confront Pharaoh, and what if he doesn't believe me? What if the people of Israel don't? I mean, all of these things are probably going through Moses' head. He was a great leader, after all. He, he, even now, he had the mind of a leader. He was thinking through the issues. God, I... I don't know about this. And God says, here's the sign that I will be with you. After you accomplish all of that, there'll be a sign. <laughs> if I'm Moses, I'm panicking, right? Like that is not enough for me. I have a whole lot of steps, whole lot of hoops to jump through before I get there. After all of that, then I'll know that it was you all along? I don't know, right? 
These are usually the signs God gives me, though. (laughs) He gives you a glimpse into the future. God's signs usually still require a whole lot of faith. Like God rarely gives you a for sure thing. Now, later on, he does give him some more signs. We talked earlier in Bible trivia, right, that Moses had a staff, and he threw it down. It turned into a snake. He picked it back up. It wasn't a snake anymore, and he put his hand in his cloak and pulled it back out, and it was diseased, and then he did it again, and it was fine. I mean, God gave him other signs. He even gave him a helper, right, because he is the rescuer. When we ask him for help, I think Moses was actually trying to get out of it. God didn't let him out of it. He just gave him all the help he asked for and more. He is a God of rescue. But initially, God gave him a sign that still required some faith. And I kept thinking about this. I said, God, why? Why would that be the sign? Why after, after, I mean, some people think it took him a month to get through all the or not a month, a year, to get through all the plagues and to get those people out of Egypt. And then they had the, the army coming back after them. You have to read through this story if you don't know it. I, I, why would the sign be so far away? And as I thought about it and as I prayed about it, God sort of revealed to me that his signs, although we want a for sure thing, right? <clears throat> They're not often proof that God is who he says he is, that God is going to do what he says he's going to do. Because even when God gives them, we still have questions, (laughs) right? Like it's never actually enough. Like, well, even once we get our sign, we're like, God, was that really you? Like, can I have another one? And then we get another sign. We're like, I don't know. Was that you? Right? It's going to take faith. It absolutely takes faith. But he gives you a little glimpse into the future. A little glimpse into what's going to happen. So that you understand that he has a plan. That he is going to get you from point A to point B. That's why he gives you those glimpses. To say this is going to happen and I'm going to make it happen. We often want this for sure thing. right? We believe that, that praying about something will give us that, that for sure Sign that what we're doing is right or not, but it's, it's so weird how it doesn't usually work out like that. Like God can literally put a burning, talking bush in Moses' path, and still he needed more. That is often how our signs go to. Yes, pray about something, but then step out in faith. Step out in faith doing what God has called you to do, giving him permission to stop you if necessary, if you start to go down the wrong path and give you the tools you need, if not. God is a good God. That sign for sure was not the last sign God gave to Moses. He gave him many, many more. It was just the furthest. He chose the first sign that he gave to Moses that, that this was God's plan, that he was on the right path, was the furthest sign that he gave him. He gave him a glimpse into what Moses was truly capable of with God. God's signs still require faith, real belief that spurs you into action. And this is what happens on holy ground. 
This is what the series is about. This is why we need many more encounters with God. I need many more encounters with God. These turning point moments. Sometimes I need to get alone. I need to be amazed at the bigness of God. And and he draws me in as we went over last week. And then God can remind me of, of who he is. Like that he sees me. He really sees me. That he is with me. And he reminds me of what we can accomplish together. The thing is, we're, we're hearing all of these stories right now, right? Black stories, white stories, yellow stories, blue stories. They may teach us some things and change our perspective. They, they might be helpful. But at the end of the day, they're still just human stories. We need more Jesus stories. We need more God moment, holy ground encounter stories. Those are the stories we need to be sharing with our world right now. Stories full of hope. Moments where we we remember how big God is, how real our God is. And, And remember that he dwells within us. You can give those moments to others. Share your story, church. Share your testimony. Share what God is doing in your life right now. Share about the miracles that you have seen and witnessed. Now, that's how Jesus spread wonder in his time. That's how he got people asking questions, being drawn in. We have to start talking about what God is doing in this church beyond the walls of this church. We have to start sharing our own stories. What has God been doing in your life lately? Maybe by reminding people that God is still moving, that he is still speaking and that he sees they'll be brought to a holy ground moment themselves. Like Johannes said on Wednesday, you have to have elephant faith, elephant faith, as he says. You have to have elephant faith. Stop tiptoeing around and just proclaim Jesus. He is the hope of the world, and you are his solution to the world, as we learned in the last series, right? Go preach the good news of hope. That's what this world needs. In this turning point cultural moment, we need a little bit of that hope, that unconditional love, that God loves each and every one of us, that we are all his favorites. And he called us to love one another, right? That's what Jesus said. All the law and the prophets, all of the word, all of scripture boils down to those two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind and all your soul and love your neighbor as yourself holy ground moments remind us how simple it all can really be. I tend to get in my head sometimes and overwhelmed with everything going on. Holy ground moments ground me. They remind me how simple it is. That I am am loved by a very real God. And I am called according to His purposes. That is your turning point. That's my turning point. Do you believe? Do you believe God is who he says he is? That he's going to do what he says he's going to do? If you really believe that, it has to change something. I can think back to a couple 
real turning point conversations with God. They were all holy ground moments for me. It changed my perspective. And all God said was a few words in most cases to my heart and soul. I didn't hear him speak audibly. I didn't have a burning bush in front of me. He spoke to my soul. It changed things. What are your turning point moments? If you haven't had any, today is it. This is your turning point moment. Do you believe that Jesus came? That he was the son of God, a perfect, holy sacrifice. That he sacrificed himself on that cross to take all of our sin with him. To take the punishment for my selfishness. He took it. And now I can enter into a relationship with the king, the, the father, the author of heaven and earth. I can know the creator on a personal level that he can speak to me, that he listens to me, that he sees me. That is what Jesus gave us. He gave us the Holy Spirit. God is not only for me, he is with me. And maybe today you've lost yourself in everything going on in our world. You've totally lost perspective can't see where God is in all of it anymore. You don't have hope for the future. And you need to remember who God is. Or maybe today you need that turning point of your own. You, you need to accept Jesus in your life for the first time or the first time in a long time. And to allow him to forgive you. Accept that forgiveness. Forgive yourself and move forward into what God has for you. He has big things for you. He has a purpose and a plan for your life. He has gifted you with unique individual talents, gifts, responsibilities. You can go into this world and change it. You can speak hope into it. God has called you to big things. Let today be a turning point and step into it. Father, we ask you for more holy ground moments, that this church, this people would go after God. But this week we would get alone. We would put on some worship music. We would, we would talk to you, have honest conversations with you. We know you want to have them and you are listening. Father, help us be honest. Help us pour out our hearts to you like never before. And then help us listen. You are a speaking God. You see our pain, our joy, our sadness, our grief, our loneliness and hardship. You see all of it. And you want to help. You are a God of rescue. Father, help us declare those truths in our own life. Help us step into the holy ground moments that you have for us. Help us change. Let today be a turning point. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash I am in. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links. 